Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, the show produced in Sydney, Australia, where we speak to leading guitar figures from all around the world. My name is Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me. Now today, in episode number 91, we speak to, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Leslie, one of Australia's most beloved rock guitarists. Dave discusses his career at length in this interview, from you know, his early gigs in Swing Shift, playing Ian Moss's parts, uh, to the meteoric rise of the baby animals, working with legendary producers like Mike Chapman and Ed Stasium, touring extensively and hanging out with Van Halen and Brian Adams. Some great stories there. He talks about his iconic Frank Grubissa guitar, talks about playing sessions, working on new projects with both the baby animals and now as a solo artist, and much, much more. Dave has been one of our show's most requested guests, and we're super happy to have him on the show. You're going to love this, so stick around. All right, before we get to the interview with Dave Leslie, just a couple of things. Number one, we've just hit over 70,000 downloads of the Guitar Speak podcast, so thank you so much for being a part of that, for uh, subscribing, for downloading the episodes, for sharing them on your social media, all that stuff. Thank you for being a part of this, and it's a, it's a fun milestone to hit Second thing I wanted to share is I got a really great email during the week from Lewis C, one of our listeners in Singapore, and he was writing regarding the David Moyes interview. Now, David Moyes, of course, is a guitar player from Air Supply, Hillsong, lots of iconic sessions in uh, in Australian music history. And he was uh, our featured guest for episodes 16 and 17. So Lewis writes this email regarding uh, regarding those episodes. Just want to write to thank you guys for doing the David Moyes interview. What a great podcast. Really enjoyed listening to him recalling all the stories. I'm from Singapore and I'm a good friend of Rex Go, so it was really interesting to hear from David about all the stuff with Air Supply and with Ibanez Guitars. Besides the personalized guitars that Ibanez custom built for the two of them, they also gave Rex a Lee Rittner prototype guitar, one of the three prototypes before the actual production of the Lee Rittner LR10 signature guitar. You can see Rex playing it on some older Air Supply videos, including the performance of Sweet Dreams on American Music Awards in 1981. I acquired that guitar from Rex about 10 years ago. It's a fantastic piece of workmanship. I also own two Ibanez artists from the early 80s, as well as the Strat-style blazer that David talked about in the podcast. I agree totally with his observations and remarks on those wonderful guitars. Thank you again for interviewing him. All right, Lewis, thank you so much for that email. That is very cool. I'm really glad you enjoyed the interview with David Moyes and um, thanks for telling us about those guitars. Man, the Lee Rittner prototype, that is super cool. I've played a Lee Rittner, they're great guitars. And uh, Lewis has sent us some pictures of, of his vintage Ibanez, including the, the Lee Rittner prototype. It's got like a like a center stripe. I don't remember if the production models had that or not. I don't think they did. Anyway, I'm going to put those pictures up on our Facebook um, group, the Guitar Speak Forum. Uh, you can look that up and join that group. There'll be links to that in our show notes. And there's also links to our interview uh, with David Moyes and uh, all our interviews at guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com. All right, we're going to jump into our interview now with Dave Leslie, another wonderful Dave. Uh, let's just get straight to it. Dave Leslie, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Ah, thanks for having us, Matt. Great to have you. I was, uh, I was saying the other week when we were teeing this up, um, you are one of our most requested um, guests, so we're super happy that, um, yeah, we could, we could hook it up. It's really very cool. Oh, I'm, I'm very touched by that. I hope I've got something um, worthy of uh, sharing. I, I reckon you might. I reckon <laughs> you might. Hey, um, I want to get the full Dave Leslie story, but if we can talk about what, what you're up to now, because 2018 seems to be um, yeah, a great year for the baby animals and, and yourself. Um, what's been happening? There's been some new music. I, knew there was, I know there was a new single released in February this year, tonight, from the band, which was awesome. and um, you're just about to jump on a plane uh, tomorrow morning to uh, keep touring around Australia. Seems like you're playing lots of shows as well. Yeah, actually, the first uh, first half of the year has been flat out, been really good. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, we did go into studio. Our sound engineer Ricky Ray has got a studio 
um, are kind of in the in the hills outside Melbourne, and um, we've put a few. We've done a few beds. Um, finished. We're kind of in the process of finish, finishing them off at the moment. Um, but yeah, one of them uh, resulted in that that single um, tonight, which was good. Triple M got behind it, which um, we were really you know pleasantly surprised about, and so it was, it's gave given us a bit of a bit of a shot in the arm. You know, it's been good. Yeah, cool. Man, great tune too, like super melodic solos and some really great textures um, from the guitar parts on that one too, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's um, we didn't exactly – I know what it did. I wanted to do something kind of spacey and, and ethereal and make it not – try not to make it sound too U2-y. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, and it, but it kind of did, but that's all right. <laughs> that sort of is what it is. But it, I just wanted to paint the picture and make it sound a little, you know, cosmic and stuff like, like that. So it, it translates pretty well on stage too, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun, that, that track. That's good fun to play. Yeah, you disappear in, into it. <laughs> I, I saw a picture on social media recently. I think it was from some of these sessions you're talking about. And you had like six or seven mics on one cab. Is that – am I on the right track? <laughs> Yes, we had five. Oh, we had, five. Uh, Only five. Yeah, four, four 57s <laughs> on one speaker and uh, I think a U, U87 uh, Neumann on, on the other, just on okay. a 2x12. Yep. Yeah, we're just messing around with, with stuff. And um, Ricky, the in, in engineer, has tried that a few times and it kind of works. Once you know, once you get the phasing and everything right, uh-huh. each, each one of those 57s sort of paints a, its own little picture of of the sound and then you just mix it at the desk before you kind of put it down and pull, you know, one of them I think was pretty well unusable, but there was three out of four that were pretty good. Nice. And just, you know, you mix a, make, you paint a little picture with the, with the four mics and um, it works well. Yeah. Awesome. And it's great fun to do, you know, it's intriguing and I love that sort of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Great. And what are you tracking with? Like guitars, pedals, amps? What's the, what's the signal path like? Trying to keep it pretty simple. Um, I've got I have my Melbourne Melbourne amp um, and a few distortion pedals, but I think for that session, oh yeah, it was, yeah, it was Mel, Melbourne amp and a couple of drives. Okay, that's about it. Yeah, cool, cool. And I think the uh, the the ambience came from a Line Six M Nine, which I've met, uh, since replaced with a Fractal AX Eight. Oh, which I absolutely okay. love. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I see you're using the Fractal Live as well. Is that just for effects? Is that the – or using it for amps as well? Or? Yeah. I, when we tour, um, I sort of use it for preamps as well and just plug okay. it into the, yep. the effects return of, of whatever's there. Okay. Um, it's great, man. I, I love that thing. I really do. I've disappeared. I've fully subscribed to it and I dis, I've disappeared into the uh, editing uh, realm of it, and uh, there's some gr- there's some awesome sounds in there. Nice. Really is, I really like it a lot. Nice, very cool, very cool. Yeah, it seems to be more the the uh, uh, the there we go on the road now, <laughs> um, especially like the Red Hot tour. Um, so many guys you're touring with. So um, I know Brett Kingman from James Rain's band is using one. He's done so for a long time. Um, oh yeah. Brett Garth said, yeah, he was the one that kind of converted me. Oh, okay. he was the one that oh, cool. converted me. Yeah, and um, I actually rang Brett Kingman as well and said, oh, look, I'm thinking of getting one of these things. And he's like, you know, that's okay. You'll, you'll get over it. It's, you don't need to join the dark side. But um, it, it's actually really good. There's, you know, there's so much it, – it sounds organic. Yeah. Um, you've got to kind of work for it. It's in there. There's gold in there. you just got to dig for it, you know. But, um, yeah, it solved a lot of problems recording-wise as well. It's quick. Um, but you know, I still love my valve amps, and and I'm you know I'm still an old school valve amp sort of guy. But as far as solving problems and things like that, and getting getting great sounds quick, it's it's really good. Yeah, and on the road, it's it's great. Susie gets it in her ears, and it's consistent. It's yeah. the same every night. Um, you know, so it's sort of yeah, it's a it's a real problem solver. Yeah. Nice, nice. Hey, speaking of valve amps, I've got a couple of of uh, listener questions for you as well. Uh, my mate Warren Riley asks, is there any chance... Oh, okay. He asks, is there any chance of a Melbourne amp signature model? Because you've been working with those guys for a little while now, hey? Uh, the one... Yeah, yeah, with uh, with Don Kahenga, who is um, Southern Cross Audio, um, who, who does the Melbourne amps. Well, the one I'm using is called the DL602, so it is a, a signature ah, there you go. of sorts. Very signature cool. Signature model. 
yeah, we, we liaise pretty closely with it. Yeah, nice. What's the basic idea with that? Uh, it's two channel. Yeah. One's, a, one's a really nice pushable clean mm -hmm. and uh, the, the B channel is a, a, a juicy drive, but it's, it's, it's crunchy, not fizzy. Okay. Um, which is his, it was his whole thing. It's got to, it's got to sound really organic. And even when you put like a, at some sort of a drive pedal in front of it and you're screaming in, in full solo land, you can, you can wind it back on your guitar volume yeah. and it will still clean up. Beautiful. Which is, you know, you can, you can sort of get, step off the gas and you can take a corner and then you can wind it up, you know, wind it wide open again and off you go again. It's, it's actually a really versatile amp. It's awesome. really good. Awesome. Very cool. It's like an instrument itself. You know, you play. You actually play the amp. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. So you're one of, yeah, you're a play the amp kind of guy, then I guess controlling from your guitar and your volume pot. Nice. Very cool. Well, um, before we go back, last question from the current day questions, I guess. Um, the new album, is there a release time planned for that at this stage or are you just still tracking and seeing where that ends up? Not at we're still sort of putting, yeah, the bits on it. Yeah. Um, it's a kind of a work in progress. It'll probably be an EP. I'm not sure if we've got enough quality material to make a whole record. Sure. At this point, you know, you can't do, um, you know, uh, sell a couple of singles and then fill the rest of the album in because people will just pick the eyes out of it. And if you're going to go to the expense of recording a tune, you're better off making it as good as you can make it so we're going for quality not quantity at this stage yeah for sure i think yeah but there's a few on there's a few on the horizon yeah, yeah. there's a few there's a few songs left in us yeah nice yeah good to hear now good to hear you guys are still writing and and uh and producing that's awesome so dave let's go back what got you started playing guitar in the first place um we always had a, a musical household both my mum and dad had their own kind of record collections and stuff. So I just, can you hear me? Yep, yep, gotcha. Hey, hello. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I don't know how far I was into that. Um, but yeah, we always had a musical household and mum and dad had their own record collections. It was kind of like Burt Backrack versus Roy Orbison in our yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, old school vi vinyl and stuff and just watch, watch Bandstand and, and, you know, the old music programs on the ABC. I think GTK it was called oh, okay. um, before the news or after the news, a black and white thing that had like Billy Thorpe and all these people on it. And I just looked at this and went, wow, man, that, that looks like a whole lot of fun. And um, found out that it kind of was. <laughs> <laughs> just started playing guitar at age, age nine. Okay. And... Um, Sort of, just, you know, yeah, learn, kind of learning ever since, really. Yeah. Nice. And um, did you take lessons or did you teach yourself early on? Uh, I took lessons from a chap for about four years, I reckon, um, or maybe a bit longer. Just the, the, uh, we did a lot of the groundwork, a lot of harmony, a lot of theory, a lot of building blocks, which I, you know, which I still use today. Which, um, in, in retrospect, it's it was invaluable that 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 info. Um, as far as you know, understanding music and cons the construction of things and everything like that. Sure. Yeah. Learned some great songs and because the guy that taught me was basically a singer, so singer, songwriter, guitarist okay. sort of thing. When yeah. it, it was, we hit a bit of a, um, a, a position when I took a copy of Eruption into him and I said, well, this is all really well and good, but I want to learn this. And he's just gone, <laughs> <laughs> and I saw I saw a dude do it on TV this, this afternoon when I went home from school and yeah I you know went down and got the first Van Halen record and what a life changer it still gives me goosebumps when I oh, listen yeah. to Eruption the you know the original recording oh and then you know I got a chance to go and listen to Eruption night after night there for for a little while yeah which man was good fun yeah absolutely Van Halen quite a bit. Back in the day, and uh, it still gave me goosebumps. Yeah. That's super cool, man. We'll definitely get into that. That's uh, that's that is incredible. Um, <laughs> did you end up doing bands and things? Oh, we had a couple of school bands. Yeah, a couple of. Um, well, we had two guitar players and no bass player. 
Um, just a, you know, kid down the road had a had a drum set and um, we played a couple of school fates and things like that. Yeah, yep. um, but just you know loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids playing kiss tunes. Um, awesome. I mean, we weren't very good, but we had fuzz boxes. I know me and the other guitar player had a fuzz box each, so it <laughs> sounded pretty bitching. That's for sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure musically. <laughs> musically how accomplished it was but it was sure was a lot of fun that's very yeah, cool that's super when you first cool. plug into a distortion yeah that's yeah you get that feeling yeah i work in um, music re- music retail occasionally and um i sold this kid his first boss ds1 the other day and i the look on his face i'm like yeah man that's i know cool. that feeling <laughs> like, yeah, this sounds really cool oh yes it does <laughs> You ended up playing in Swing Shift, which was, uh, for those who don't know, it was a Cold Chisel uh, cover band. Um, what, what did you learn from playing Ian Moss's parts night after night? Um, yeah, well, that was an amazing guitar lesson. Um, and we, we had we had, a, had original band and we had no gigs and it was summer coming up and we thought, well, man, we've got to do something, you know. We're both really big Chisel fans, myself and the singer. So we decided to do that, you know. Um, we became kind of one of the first kind of tribute acts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was good. That that you know, Mossy's phrasing, the songwriting, the way that that band, you know, it really gives you gives you an appreciation for what a great and dynamic band Chisel were, and how they, you know, they were all they, they when they played country, they they were like a great country band. When they played blues, they were an amazing blues band. Mm-hmm. They could rock. They, they, there was a multifaceted you know, um, thing, that band, and it was a really good lesson, I reckon, for me as far as taste, restraint, um, phrasing, yeah, tone. Yeah. I mean, Mossy's tone, my God. Yes. You know, to try and emulate that. I'm still trying to emulate it. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, you can't, it's, you can't beat the real thing, and, and, and that guy's <laughs> he's the real deal. Um, but it was a good exp- yeah, it was a great experience. Mm. The um the mossy solo in Forever Now, it's got that kind of floating quality, that last solo. There's there's parts of early warning where where I, I sort of feel that same kind of phrasing or not the same phrasing, but the same idea. There's just, just where you're playing with the timing and you're just floating above the groove. It's it's very, very cool. That was probably um what would you call it, like through osmosis or something. Probably yeah, wasn't yeah. wasn't meant to be, but it just it was uh yeah, it just happened to be there. Yeah, well that's nice, man. Thanks for that's a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> oh cool. <laughs> man, I know that... what you mean though, there's long bends and stuff like that, long vibrato, it's kind of characteristic of his of his style, you know. Yeah. And nice. it's it's and it's it's a great thing. So I'm 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 glad that some of it's stuck. Yeah. Nice. Oh, all the while being being your own your own thing, you've you've obviously morphed together over you know, developing your own style. Now that first album, Baby Animals, came out in ninety one. What was the what was the formation of the band? What were the circumstances around that? Um, Susie had been in England and came back out to Australia wanting to wanting to form a band, um, sort of do something rock, and she knew uh, John Woodruff, the manager. Yeah. Um, I had auditioned a couple of times for Rose Tattoo. Oh, okay. Um, no, nothing that I wasn't going to get there. I think it was about the, the beats of a single drum record okay. with Suddenly on it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. They needed a guitar player. Uh, I had no tattoos and dyed blonde hair, so I kind of deep down knew that I probably wasn't going to get the gig, <laughs> but I'll go along, and have a, go along and have a play anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and their bass player, Andy Sishon, who has since gone – over to the States and played with Shania Twain and currently playing with Billy Joel. He was in also in a band called Judge Mercy back in the early days. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, he was like, it was his band, singer, uh, singer guitarist, but he, at this point he was playing bass in Rose Tattoo. And we became really good mates. And um, his fiance was working for Woodruff. And so when Susie came out, um, Andy had, he threw my name into the hat and um, I went along and had a play and never left. Yeah. Great, man. Now, this is in Sydney in the late 80s, I'm gathering. Yeah, September 89, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, cool. I remember you guys used to play at the Cardoma Cafe down in the Cross quite a bit. That was our first gig. Our first gig was at Cardoma. We played there a lot, actually, that and Springfields. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. we started at Cardoma and then started to do kind of Friday nights at Springfields where you'd go on at kind of two. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
You get to the gig at like um, you get to the gig after midnight. Yeah. Oh my god. Man, I remember playing the bourbon doing the the graveyard shift a few years ago, and um, yeah, the sun is creeping through the door when you're playing your last set. It's pretty weird. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the bourbon, <laughs> far out, man. Yeah, I walked out of there with 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 my sunglasses on a couple of times too. Yeah. <laughs> The um the Cardoma, I ended up playing there a couple of years, like sort of early nineties, and that's a pretty small room. I was trying to imagine what it sounded like with you guys in there. Well, we only had small amps and stuff like that at the time too, you okay. know. That was long before the three Marshall quads. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a boogie combo. Okay. I had a Mark III boogie combo that yeah, ran yeah. The, the clean because the middle channel wasn't that great, but the clean and the and the lead. Yeah, amazing, and the boogie cleans amazing. And uh, I think I just threw, threw a few pedals into the front of that. And, nice. Um, used that. I think we only had little amps because I remember oh, it was a few times we'd uh, we'd played we we played with Candy Harlots and we had to set up in front of their entire setup. So we were playing setting up four across the front. It was me, Frank, the drummer, Susie, and Eddie, the bass player, just in a row yeah. straight across the front of the stage. Wow. You know, yeah, it wasn't there wasn't a lot of room there. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Now that that first record you ended up um, recording in the states, that must have been a pretty exciting time for you. Yeah, it was an amazing adventure. Actually, we um, we did a couple of weeks of pre production in um, in New York. Yeah. Um, with Mike Chapman, the producer, who is an Aussie, but had produced. Oh goodness, no, he's you know produced. A, he he writes hits in his sleep. That guy. He produced my Sharona. Um, that was good enough for me, but he's done so much other stuff as well. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and see, he put us through boot camp, sort of rehearsed us, rehearsed us up for a few weeks, um, pulled the songs apart, put them all back together again, and kept the kind of live aspect of it so that we wanted to keep it, keep the energy as, as much as possible. Sure. And then we went up to Bearsville in Woodstock. Um, it was a studio owned by. Sally Grossman, who's the widow of Bob Dylan's manager, Dylan, the band, and all those guys um, recorded up there. Um, as did Jeff. Jeff Buckley did Grace up there too after okay. we, after we'd been and gone. Wow! But it's that room. It's that studio. It's an amazing. It's not there anymore. I think it's a block of units or something, or a car park or something. Right. Yeah. But, wow. Um, yeah, an amazing room. Yeah. When you guys hit in '91, it was such a breath of fresh air. There was all that visceral energy, like classic Australian rock, but there's this real finesse in the musicianship and some, some interesting twists and turns in the in the tunes that uh, that kept it interesting. And your first two singles were massive, Early Warning and then Rush You. Um, I think you ended up with four four big hits off that first record. Yeah, I think there was four singles off the first one. Yeah, it was um, – well, yeah, um, Early Warning and Rush You was a good one-two combination, I reckon. That's yeah. for sure, you know, sort of uh, – Released first out, but um, I remember hearing Early Warning on the radio for the first time. Oh yeah, and not realize not realizing. I think it was on Triple M or something, and you know we'd been back a little while, and um, just heard, and and I went straight into studio mode, and it didn't occur to me that it was actually on the radio for a, for a while. I'm listening okay. to it, and I'm listening <laughs> to the faults and the mistakes and the anomalies, and oh god, we should have gone back and fixed that or whatever, um, because I just I'm you, you just so you know so deep into it that it's right. hard to kind of listen to it without being subjective. Uh-huh. Um, and then I realised, oh, it's on the radio. <laughs> oh, it became – it was all right then. I, I got it. I snapped out of that mode and went, it's, oh, nice. it's out. It's, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't change it. It's, it's, it's out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, and it happened, you know, with um, the last single tonight just a few months ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, just – yeah, just driving around, and all of a sudden it's, that intro starts. I'm like, oh, wow. I can't believe like, after all this time I, I got that feeling again. It's like, oh, wow, man. It was, it's cool. It's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. That's see, awesome. see, see something, you know, from a to an idea to germinate into kind of something that gets played back at you. It's, it's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. And the response to really Australia cool. was huge. That was, you know, it was so well received really, really quickly. Yeah, it was good. The radio stations jumped on it. I guess it, you know, it was sort of slotted into a certain thing there. It wasn't too, too risky. It wasn't too soft. It just had that thing, you know. It wasn't exactly a formularized uh, piece of work, but it's the way it sort of fitted in. It seemed to go like that, which is a happy accident. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I I read this interview with Daniel Johns from Silverchair once, and he was asked, you know, how 
how do you get your guitar sounding so big? And he said, oh, it's easy. We just make everything loud. And um, <laughs> listening back to those first two Baby Animals records, it seems like you, are the, you guys were the perfect example because, of course, Suze is up front with that incredible vocal, but the guitars and Eddie's bass tone was, you know, super present and really interesting. And and Frank launches, you know, the double kicks at the end of your radio single. It's um, it was a pretty exciting tune. There was a lot of, a lot of really cool things going on. Yeah, it was a, it was a statement, and that was, that was a bit of a um, a slogan in the, the studio. Actually, everything louder than everything else. <laughs> So it was sort of like it was. Everything was every everything was kind of competing for space in the in the track, and it was sort of like everything is right on edge, you know. Yeah, nice. Jam, you know, jamming, and we, we recorded it loud. Um, I, I lost count of the, the amount of MS10s that we blew up oh, really? on those sessions. Oh wow! And they, they ended up having having to put fuses inside the, the speaker cables wow. of the big ones too, of the because they're Uri's, and so the the big you know built in ones. Yeah. Uh, we were tracking using those. It was like it was like louder than a gig. Okay. Tracking guitars. So yeah. Okay. So you're in the control room, but the monitors were just crazy loud. Yeah, the monitors were crazy loud. A lot of uh, occasionally I'd be out in the recording studio room, but then when it's for double tracking and stuff like that, it's a yeah. lot easier to scope it when you're kind of, you know, sitting in in that zone and you can sort of, zone, you know, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Z- zoom in on it a bit. Yeah. That that record had really great left right like double tracked guitars throughout like really tight but really like interesting tones as well that's the first time i'd ever double tracked anything i didn't even know it existed until oh, that really? point you know wow. it's like oh you can do it again oh okay so it's twice as much guitar unreal Excellent. <laughs> let's triple track it <laughs> <laughs> that's cool you were playing your strat then um yeah i had my my 70s Strat with EMGs. Yep, yep. Um, which was the, the old swing shift guitar. Cool. Um, I borrowed, Mike Chapman had a few guitars of his own. Yeah, the, sure. the, uh, the studio assistant had a really nice blonde neck telly, which uh, outro solo of Early Warning and a few other solos were, were played on. Oh, really? Wow. Um, That's yeah, cool. Yeah, Chap- Chapman's Les Paul was a, was a ripper. That, was, that and the Strat okay. were a great combination. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they were a good combo. Les Pauls and Strats sort of seem to go together well. Like, yeah, that, sure. I reckon. Yeah. Yep. And um, did you take amps or did you use the stuff over there as well? Uh, we used stuff over there. Yeah. Um, a JCM 800 and a JC 120. Okay. Yeah, classic. That's it. And um, uh, Marshall Governor, but the old the old big black one. Oh, okay. The original one. Red stripes one. on it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. The, the five knobs or whatever it was on it. Fantastic. For, for boost. There's a lot of mid-range going on, that's for sure. <laughs> a lot of... A lot of... But that, that's, that's part of the guitar being so alive on those records, I reckon, because the Marshall's already gnarly, and just hitting it with the governor's only going to add to that. Yeah, it just focused it. Yeah, Yeah, nice. it, was, it was good. It just gave it that, that, that poke kind yeah. of thing, you know? Mm. I think that leaves a bit of room for the bass as well, because you're not... You're not doing this big scooped mid thing. There's there's plenty of room for the bottom end as well. So Ed's bass parts were were um were loud and clear as well. So that was a cool. Yeah, mix. I've never understood the scoop mid thing because I mean, you know the, the mids is where you that's where your wood is. That's yeah, where you kind yeah. of. I'm more the I'm more the kind of the other way of the, the Billy Gibbons where it's it's all mids and nothing else. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just that's it sits in the mix like that. It just it, it has its own its own place. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah. One um man, one of my favourite moments. There's so many great moments. One of my favourite moments is one word, the intro where you, you're doubling up the electric and the acoustic, and the bass is pedalling, and then there's this, this big euphoric launch when uh when the drums kick in. Well, that that acoustic style. Where where did you pick up that that kind of playing? Ah, uh, that was just from you know early guitar lessons. What was it, Timmy Rimmy or something? It's a thumb index middle. Yeah, yeah. Index RA. I just always messed around with sort of finger style. Okay. Cool. Um, that that part was invented the morning of tracking. Actually, the morning no I went way. down. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, sitting over recording, it was snowing outside, and just had a, I had a guitar on my bed. And was we needed some sort of thing, and I thought, well, we're in a. I'll just sort of mess around and see if I can come up with some sort of little story, you know? Yeah, cool. And um. Yeah, that sort of – I'm not sure how many times it, it took 
But I, I told people that it went down in the first take, but I'm not really sure if that's the truth or not. But um, it, yeah, it wasn't double. It wasn't double track day. So that was an ovation, Mike Chapman's ovation through the JCM 800. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it was. Okay. Um, okay. It's, a, it's a single single part. Yeah. Um, but the JCM 800 was like five rooms away. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you go anywhere near it, it would just howl like like crazy. <laughs> So it was close mic'd, but okay. it also was had this had the, that's where all the fur came from was, was oh, the JCM. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Man, I just thought it you was... were super tight doubling that. So um there you go. <laughs> no, that was just the one part. Yeah, yeah. Just a furry, a furry acoustic. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Nice. That that's one of those songs <laughs> I just keep replaying the intro over and over because it's um it's just so cool. And then when the band kicks in, it's super exciting. Love that. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty thrilled that it has kind of you know had it done. Sometimes you you can hear it on the in sports programs and stuff where they go come back from an ad and they've got yeah, this yeah you know furry acoustic thing. You think, oh, cool, man, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> excellent, excellent. So it's kind of got its own life in a way. Yeah, man. After the record came out, you guys hit the ground running. You were touring with um, Brian Adams and the Black Crows and. And Van Halen, as you mentioned, was that all before the second record? All that those big tours? That was all before the second record. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Because because we were signed to an overseas deal as yeah. well, we had to spend a lot of time over overseas selling it. Okay, you know, and um, it became it was really good through BMG's. Uh, I think BMG were our distributor yeah. in Europe. It became a priority record for a couple of months, and so we were doing this Brian Adams run. Yeah. Um, through Europe, he had the Waking Up the Neighbors album, which was just going gangbusters. So yeah, we were playing yeah. these big, big arenas. Yeah. Um, the the reactions were mixed crowd wise. Okay. Some 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 crowds in Germany were a little hostile because really? we were playing yeah. our you know met, metally kind of rock stuff, and it was a yes. family show, you know. Um, okay. <laughs> but generally, it was it was pretty well received. Yeah, and we had we had such a good time, man. Far out. To go, you know, go on, on a tour bus and tour through through Europe yeah, in the winter. Wow. Yeah. Oh, what a, it was a great adventure. Yeah, That's awesome. it was amazing. Did you get to um, hang out with Keith Scott at all and and talk guitars? Yes, yes, we did quite a bit actually. Yeah, yeah, we, we roots, you know, so well looked after. Nice. And Keith's a monster. That's funny because you know he does all that that solid as a rock Brian Adams stuff. You know, and, and yeah, yeah. His his guitar playing is great, but then you get him. By him, you know, get him in a in a back band room with a couple of couple of beers in him, and he's bebop guy. Oh really? He's like, oh yeah, wow. man, the guy smokes. Yeah, we wow. had a bit of a jam. Like, wow, <laughs> he's, he's really good. Just oh, this is the stuff. You know, this is the stuff that I don't get paid to do. And it's uh, yeah, it was it was really good. Wow, amazing. Yeah, a monster. He's a monster. Yeah, more than he gets credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, he, he's one of the most iconic melodic guitar players that you might not know his name. I guess. But um, in terms of knowing his parts, the the guy down the road's gonna can probably whistle some of those solos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're all really they, you could build a house on them. Yeah, you man. Know, that's what I, what I like about it. They they completely serve the song. That's what I, all that Brian Adams stuff, man. All, each of those songs, yeah, are a, a really well thought out piece of art. Nice. And um, well, you know, and it has the record sales and the and the crowd attendances to to uh, attest to that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it was. Sorry, man. Sorry, man. Um, did you? I think you guys recently played with with Brian again on on a recent Australian tour. Um, we did a couple of gigs. I think we did one in Perth. Okay. Um, um, it was a yeah. It was a really good kid to catch up. Actually, yeah. Yeah. He um. He was talking about coming back and doing some more with us, but and we hope that happens. Mm-hmm. But it was it was great, and he stood outside a stage during our set, and we walked off, and he he came up and he goes, "Boy, that looked like a lot of fun." <laughs> yeah, man, it was a lot of fun because <laughs> it's you know the way they are, you know, they, their songs are all so constructed, and everyone plays exactly like the it is on the record. Okay, yeah, you wow. know what I mean? It's um, I love it, but they they don't there's not a lot of risk taken. Okay, okay. And our band, we we take a lot of risks. Yeah, right. You know, nice. sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But that's, <laughs> you know, that's kind of where we'd like it, like to keep it nice and edgy. Yeah, I guess that's where he thought, oh, that is fun. Yeah, man, tell me about touring with Van Halen. You mentioned him earlier. Um. Yeah. Well, what can I say? Rock and roll dream come true. It was 
um, what, 12 semi-trailers worth of gear, 10 buses of, worth of personnel. Um, was it just a, ju- a juggernaut that went from, from town to town? We did two legs of um, the F-U-C-K tour. Mm-hmm. It was a massive tour. We, I think it was, well, more than 60 gigs. I know that much. Wow. It was a lot, it was a lot of shows, and we were always really well accommodated too as far as, Every time it was, we were able to get a sound check, they let us have a sound check. Um, you know, it was, we were really well looked after. It was, it was great. It was such a good experience. Yeah, cool. And, and you know, we'd do 40 minutes of our hardest hitting stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, we're faced with, well, we go and do a meet and greet because we're out there selling our records. So we mm-hmm. go and meet some people and, and have a bit of a thing. And um, then we're faced with a bucket full of beer and Van Halen's on in 10 minutes. Oh my God, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> that, that's your evening sorted, man. That's your Saturday that's, night. Yeah, yeah, All I good. Think I, yeah, every night was like a Saturday night, man. It wow. was so much fun. Wow, that's yeah. cool. And how about Ed? Because you guys struck up a friendship and uh, you ended up with one of his, one of his guitars. Yeah, um, as I was saying, yeah, we really well looked after. Good bunch of guys. Isn't it funny, the guys, they've been there and done that and had nothing to prove. They, they're just, you know, really, really quite down to earth. And then we're always hanging out in our band room and, and coming in to visit and, um, yeah, yeah, always knocking, you know, knock, say, good, say good day and all that sort of thing. And uh, Ed would always have, a, you know, a guitar on him and, and we'd, we'd jam on some ACDC and we'd have, uh, we'd have disagreements over who got to be Malcolm because he always wanted to be Malcolm. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not being Angus in front of your Malcolm. <laughs> you, you be Angus and I'll be Malcolm. Because he, he knew all those solos, you know, he's a oh, massive really? ACDC wow, fan. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, so we played like Riff Raff and Dog Eat Dog and all this sort of stuff backstage. It was, it was a lot of fun, man. Wow. He was really well, well versed in, in that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, one day he just walked in casually, you know, had his guitar case with him. Finally, he goes, hey, come over here. Yeah, come here. So he opens up the case and there's this red EVH music man. I said, oh, cool, man. Is that your new guitar? And he goes, no, it's your new guitar. Ah, <laughs> <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, brother. That's so cool. It was, it was very cool. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it was... Um, and then spent the next well, probably four or five years playing the dickens out of it, man. Yeah. I think I, I think I wore the finish off that, played the finish off it. That's yeah. cool, man. That's very yeah, cool. cool. Still got it. It's under my bed right now. Nice. Nice. Actually, it needs a new fret, a set of frets. So I might have to get it refretted at some point. Okay. So <laughs> take it back out. But yeah, it was a gr- it was a cool. It was that was a dream come true, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. You know. And awesome. just we jam, you know. He get up and jump. I jump up with our, our sound checks and we jam some Jeff Beck. Um, one of the gigs that was, I think, the, the last night of the first run, of the first leg, um, we'd had a, we did a bit of a, got together backstage and um, sorted out a, a bit of a loose arrangement of Highway Star. Oh yeah, and cool. With the, the dual guitar bits and everything like that, Mike. And then for our last song of the night, Mike Anthony came and sang. Ed, Ed and Mike Anthony came and played it with us. And so Mike Anthony sang because he's got that high voice, man. He yeah, sang yeah. the out of it. It was awesome. <laughs> and me and Ed are doing like the dual guitar bits, you know. Oh man, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty mighty. It was monumental, actually. Nice man. I just, I, it's funny because it's only through um, recalling it and things like that where I kind of it really hits home and actually how special it was. And the and the and the further away it is, the more special it was you know what i mean uh-huh. it, was, it was pretty yeah it was really cool yeah. fantastic I'm, I'm truly blessed yeah that's cool hey another um another listener question justin studley asks did you learn anything from eddie whether you know it was in those jams or just watching him do his thing every night not um i feel like not uh what would you call it formally yeah, he he he'd, I'd ask him to show me a couple of things. He'd be like, "Ah, man, you don't want to do this," <laughs> you know. But I, I'd sort of learned a lot just from watching the guy play. Yeah, sure. You know, and just the attitude and the the attack and the way that he's not, you know, he's he way he plays rhythm. He's he he comps things and it's always fragmented chords and rhythmic. Mm-hmm. And he's jamming with Alex. He doesn't he doesn't strum G chords. You know what I mean? He's yeah, not, yeah. He's not a he's not a strummy guy. He. he it's it just it's jagged and it's gunk. It does it does things. It moves, 
yeah. all the time. And and so watching watching that sort of um, had an, an effect on me, you know, rather than having to say sit down with Ed and say get him to yeah, show sure. me how to do that. Which he'd get embarrassed about and wouldn't do it anyway. Uh-huh. I tried a couple, tried a couple of times. I <laughs> yeah. even tried to get him to autograph the damn guitar he gave me, and he wouldn't do that. Oh, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's like, ah, man, forget about it. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That is very cool. They, they um, influence-wise, though, they jam every night. Van Halen. Um, okay. In the middle, it really got me. They, they'd um, just break down and and just jam just let you know to take a band solo or do a cover um it was never rehearsed um they probably had their, their staples that they would choose from but uh-huh. um there was never anything sort of formal or rehearsed and um one night they did crossroads i mean they did born on the bayou one night which was amazing and yeah wow. but one night they did crossroads and i remember remember being over ed's side because he had two quad boxes down underneath in his bunker so that his tech map could um listen okay. to the sound just to make sure that everything's Everything's going okay up on stage. Yeah. And so I'm sitting over there just listening to this guitar sound. And so they do Crossroads and Ed rips the solo from the live Crossroads Korean thing note for note, like wow. note perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know? And this was after a lot of beer <laughs> drunk. <laughs> you know, he was uh, he was partying at that point. And, right. um, but, man, solid as a rock. What a player. Wow. And you think, yeah, well, that, that's how good the guy is. You know, he just, he chall- he just channels it. He gets up just um and plays and just it's just so intuitive and so musical, you know. It was that was that was what inspired me most. That was sort of yeah, what I cool. most from. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's it's really cool. cool. Very cool. He um I think he was he was rocking the fifty one fifty amps by then as well. I think did you guys did you end up using like yeah, what did you did. do back line? We, we had some rental marshals, I think it was nine yeah. hundreds or something like that, and then uh-huh. Um, it goes, oh, you want to try some 5150s? We'll go, you know, when we're in um, Tennessee or wherever they were. Where were they? Um, oh, I forget the name of the place. The PD factory. We went there and we got sorted oh, out with 5150s. Oh, yeah, Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi. That's right. Yeah. Meridian, Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we got sorted out with back line, which I'm not really sure what happened to. But okay. <laughs> probably sitting in a warehouse or something somewhere. I've yeah, got yeah. no idea. But that was good. Yeah, that was good air. Nice, man. So very, they were very gainy, though. You know, that's, yeah, sure. that's the thing. It was like, wow, it was really, really big and, and wide open gain. And I was kind of not not quite used to that. I was used to more of the martial thing because I'm more of a strummy guy than, sure. than the attacky yeah. thing. But I got used to it pretty quick. I mean, they sounded pretty good. So, yeah. yeah. Good times. <laughs> very cool <laughs> I'm glad but they were really good times I'm glad I took so many photos otherwise I probably wouldn't be able to remember them, you know? <laughs> fair enough man now the second record Shaved and Dangerous came out in 93 now this was produced by Ed Stasium who he's produced heaps of stuff at the time I, I knew him most through um, working with Living Colour so I thought thought this was going to be interesting and um, yeah the album it still kept you know your rock edge but um perhaps got, I don't know, progressive, I don't know if it's the right word, but certainly there were more textures and, and time shifts and things going on in the tracks. Was that was that through working with Ed or was that just where you guys wanted to take things? I think we wanted to be a living colour. Okay. That's, where, that's kind of where that came from. Oh, where, man, you know, we, we all wanted did. <laughs> Ed. Oh, exactly, that record, yeah. the vivid record. Yeah, yeah, that's a game changer too. Yeah. Love that. Um yeah, and that was a great experience too, as far as la- layering and mm-hmm. everything. But in retrospect, I think the songs could have been stronger. Okay. You know, it sounded good and everything like that, but we needed oh, yeah. the the areas that we needed work on, which weren't necessarily the sounds; they were the actual construction of of the material. Um, I, I thought we could have kind of, you know, maybe looked at that. But that's you know, that's in retrospect though. You know, at the time. We thought every, every we thought every song on the record was a single. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, man. But, um, evidently, the general public didn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> but there were still hits, hey? There were still hits off the record. Oh, there was a couple of songs that they kind of put out, yeah, yeah. and a couple that we still do in the live set. You know, we'll yeah. we'll put um, a, a backbone and um, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, nice. Basically, in, in the live set, but that's kind of where it that was about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh man, don't tell me what to do. That that real trippy part with you and and Eddie and the start of the solo and then turns into epic rock. That's that's a really cool part. I love that. I always wanted to do a reverse guitar solo. Yeah. So I thought, well, great, we'll do. You know, we got that kind of do 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 da 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 Yeah, I could do a reverse solo on that. And so I started it with that that high bent D, so that when it came into the second section, it ended on that high bent D, so that I can then overdub a, oh, a real okay. part on the other okay, end of it cool, sort man. of thing. Nice. So there was a little bit of a plan involved in that. Yeah. But I just wanted to do a reverse solo, man, and, and it was, the rhythm guitar was played through a Leslie cabinet too, and I always wanted to do that. Yeah, so at least I got nice. a, a chance to do do some, explore <laughs> some stuff, you know, yeah, at, the, sure. at the song's at the song's expense, but it was good fun still. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I think it was worth every bit of fun. I think I loved it. The um, I, can't, I don't know, it was Stupid on that record? Or was that... Stupid was on that record. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that kind of sums you up because it's got this really urgent punk rock energy. But you're in seven for most of the song. Yeah, that was just I don't know. Well, we we just we liked unusual time signatures and stuff like that. So I just sort of came in sevens, and and Susie actually cut that guitar solo. Oh, okay. So one and only the oh, one really and only awesome. guitar solo that she did. Yeah, she did some Stevie Ray warmed up leftovers. <laughs> Oh, man. Nice. <laughs> it was good. We just thought going with the 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 uh, you know flavor of the the track. Yeah, cool. Of, um, yeah, yeah. Have a bit of a hack. So we, I still wanted to do it. We still, I, I used to play that song live and used to love doing it because of the because of the unusual turnarounds and the, yeah, and the yeah. lumps and stuff like that in it and Susan's solo. Uh-huh. But she never wants she never wants to do it anymore. Wow. She she plays great. I always love that part. Um... The two guitar part in early warning—that's fun when um when when she busts that out live when you two yeah do that part that's really cool. She plays better than she gives herself credit for actually, and she mm-hmm. never practices, which frustrates the hell out of me. <laughs> but um, she'd be really good if she practiced. If she did like half an hour a day, she'd yeah. be smoking. Sure. Yeah, but um, I, I think she does for when we go on, on tour and warms up, you know, warms up and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, she's good. She's got a, a great sort of right hand, great rhythm player. Yeah, know? cool. That's good. Nice. Good to have that extra extra texture in there. But then, you know, she'll be halfway through a song and just forget the chords and then just stop. So all of a sudden, this this barky rocking telly that was happening in, in, on stage, <laughs> it just stops and there's this big hole there. You go, you're right? You go, oh, I forgot the chords. I don't know. <laughs> Too busy doing other things. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. She's up front. She's probably busy. She's working. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, she's got other stuff on her mind. She doesn't need a pesky guitar hanging around. <laughs> hey, that second record, um, you guys met Nuno Betancourt, and he, he ended up doing some writing and, and playing, I believe, on that too. Yeah, she did some writing, some playing, some stealing our singer. Um, <laughs> uh, what else did he do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool too, man. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. That was a good. That was a good. Uh, good influence. Yeah, cool. Um, so when you say stole singers, uh, Sue's moved to Boston, I think, not long after that record, and yeah, well, we didn't lose a singer; we just gained another guitar player. Yeah, in well, a way. that's a nice you way know? to look at it. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool. Oh, we always we always got on great. Me and Nuno. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a lot of respect for that guy. Just a, he's a musical monster on mm. all, every level. Um. Yeah. So that was a good. That was a good influence. That's for sure. Nice. So, so I guess by mid nineties, you guys had had wound up. I mean, soon to reunite, or, or later to reunite. Um, you ended up doing a lot of sessions. You were really well regarded as as a session guy for for a while there. Did you enjoy that kind of work? Yeah, I did a lot of ads, and I did a lot of sort of playing on. Uh, I jumped onto the Idol thing, which was kind of quite lucrative. Uh-huh. Played on a lot of the, of the records that the Australian Idol people did. Yeah, um, I enjoy that. I enjoy the process. It was interesting going into kind of as a, a pure a pop, even though it was rock. They were rocky songs. It was from a pop um, sensibility, so everything had to be a little cleaner and a little, little nicer. And you know, there was. Could, had to take your jewelry off when you played acoustic guitar because there was things knocking against the guitar, and uh-huh. <laughs> it had to be everything had to be squeaky clean yeah, for those right. records. But it was, it was great work, you know, man. Anytime you ever get paid to 
to play guitar is always a good day. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. You know, and I really enjoyed the advertising too. I did a lot of jingles there for a while. Okay, yeah. Um, that was great because you, you had to, you know, burn for kind of 30 seconds doing a different stuff, Coke or, you know, um, Band-Aids or uh, it, many and varied kind of things, you know, ukulele gigs, acoustic guitar gigs, nylon string gigs. Uh-huh. And they usually go for maybe, you know, a minute and a half and then they cut it back to like a minute or a 30-second bit or use your best bits. And so a lot of that was in you had to interpret things or had to kind of make it sound like stuff without making it sound too close to stuff. It was different sort of challenges. But, they, yeah, they were really good. I lo- love that. Mm. I remember the, the producer, Garth Porter, said, said you're probably the best session player he worked with uh, in, in that time. Oh, really? You said that? Yeah. That's, wow, that's, man. That's, that's, what I I that's, cool. that's what I heard. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Oh, that's, well, I enjoyed working with Garth. I mean, you know, Sherbet, we're a big, big Sherbet fan. I was a big Sherbet fan growing up. His songwriting is, is amazing and um, his ears are amazing. So, yeah, they were good sessions too. You know, they were kind of almost country, they were different, different sorts of yeah, um, sure. material. Mm-hmm. But it's good to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone occasionally, you know? Yeah, nice. Now, were you and still – were you in Sydney at that stage? Because I know you're in Melbourne these days. Yeah, I moved to Melbourne about four years ago. Right. Yeah, so I was yep. still in Sydney. Okay, all, yep. all that All that time, yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey, when did um when did the Frank Grubisser uh, relationship start? Um, Frank used to work on my guitars. I When I was uh, – Baby Animals started and everything like that, I was living in Mascot. Yeah. And um, Frank – I used to spend a lot of time going to PJ's Soundhouse, which became Guitar Crazy and Coogee, and I knew Frank from there and I had to do some repairs and things and um, didn't realise we kind of lived only a couple of blocks away. So we'd go, I'd go around and hang out and drink coffee and we'd talk about guitars and wood and bits and pieces. And one day just the conversation went to, you know, Frank's design and bits of wood and, you know, half an hour later we're picking out bits of wood and looking at designs and, you know, the, my first group, Visa Merlin, sort of took shape. Yeah, yeah. Nice. nice. Which was in '94. Wow, I think '94. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. Cool. And I still see getting, you playing that uh, today. That's that's still it's a sitting right next regular. to me. It's sitting right next to me on the wow. lounge, right here. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's better every year. It's um, it's a good guitar that one. Nice. Yes. Well, what's the construction? Like, I think from memory, it's like a set neck. Two humbuckers. Set neck, um, yeah, two hummies, a uh, uh, mahogany mahogany body with a maple cap. Yep. Um, Brazilian rosewood fretboard. It's just got, it's like a Les Paul, but it's just it's it's different. It's got its own has its own voice. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of uh, Mick Brealey Briley pickups. Oh yeah. From Adelaide yep. in it at the moment, and they're both splittable, so it's single coil on on both neck and bridge. So you get great combinations, a lot of different, a lot of different sounds, you know. Yeah, cool, nice. Yeah, it's good. What what's the scale length? Because you played strats for a long time. Are you, are you running a strat scale length, or is it like Les Paul? Well, I thought I always thought it was a strat scale length, but then someone's told me it isn't. Um, I really don't know the difference. Yeah, <laughs> I can't right. feel the difference. Yeah, yeah. So I always thought it was, but um, I don't know. But um, someone said that I think it might be a Gibbo one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not cool. sure, but. Yeah, but you, a set of ten to E flat feels pretty, it's pretty creamy on it. That's for sure. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Very nice. cool. <laughs> yeah, man, that's like the, uh, that's like the iconic Dave Leslie guitar. See, on most gigs or, or pitches. Yeah, we've, I've had, I've had it for a while. Yeah, man, still, still hanging. Yeah. Yeah, cool. That's yeah, good. Hey, so the, um, so the baby animals reformed. What around two thousand eight, something like that. Yeah, it was around 2008. We we went to LA, myself and Eddie and Frank, and attempted to uh, write another album and ended up just fighting and stuff. Okay. But um, we, we, we got together and did a few gigs, which was really good. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, the I mean, the current lineup has been for a few years is with Dario Bortolin and Mick Skelton as, as the rhythm mm. section. But it was a year or two ago you guys did the, the, uh, the 25th anniversary tour with um with both lineups that was a good night it was yeah. a good fun night uh-huh. because um yeah we did the 
The second set was with Eddie and Frank, the old band, and we did the first album sort of in its entirety. Yeah. So the first set was everything else with the new guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's great because everyone got on great. You know what I mean? It was it was good. There was no kind of tension or anything backstage. It was it was actually a really cool a cool hang with with everybody involved, uh, which I was really glad. Yeah, you know. nice. Uh, there didn't need to be any kind of all that sort of stuff, but sure. Um, but that that gave the new band an opportunity to play some stuff that it wouldn't normally do because we couldn't do any of the first records, so we had to do other stuff. So yeah. we had to go in extra extra hard because we didn't have that material to fall back on. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, just between you and me, oh, and everyone who's listening, I kind of <coughs> enjoyed playing in the first band first because we went extra hard. Okay. It's like, yep. all right, man, you know, we got, you know, and the boys – being replacements and all that sort of thing, they sort of had to own own the gig, and yeah. it was gr- it was a great night all round. Yeah. Nice, very yeah. cool. But the, the, I, I enjoyed playing in the first the, the support act. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, fun when you get to do both, so that's cool. Oh, I was pretty warmed up at the end of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I ready, was ready to go by then. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Tidy. New record came out in 2013. This is not the end. That that seems a little bit more straight ahead in terms of in terms of material. Yeah, we'd had a bit of bit more time to write all those songs as well. Yeah. Okay. So um, they were kind of more yeah more straight ahead song based things rather than rather than trying to be, be too clever musically. Yeah. Because that's the you know the thing that we found with Shaved and Dangerous that all our muso mates loved it, but everyone else yeah, didn't yeah. get it. Uh-huh. So we thought, well. Let's let's try and do one that, that you know most people will hopefully like. Yeah, yeah. You know, just let, let, but still let the songs be themselves. You know, sure. there's still lumps and there's still kind of good musical bits in there. It's just you know, call me old fashioned, but there's nothing really wrong with four four. You know, sure. people have been doing it for a while. <laughs> nothing wrong with stuff that you can dance to. Sure. Yep. Gotcha. Mm. So the, a lot of that a lot of that album fares like a, um, in our set now as well. You know, it's a pretty, pretty healthy smattering of the first record, and this is not the end. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. You've got you've got some great records to draw from. Then when uh, when you're putting on shows, that's for sure. It's fun doing the list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine bands that have had like you know eight or nine album careers uh-huh. trying to do their set list. Like, what don't you play? Yeah, you know, and everyone, everyone's got their favourites as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's good. I think that the set the way it is now. It's 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 an adventure. There's nothing in there where you go, oh god, you know, don't want to have to play this. Um, everything's got its own its own thing, and um, each one of the songs is its own like yeah little adventure, which is good. Hey, and outside of the band, I've I've seen you do um a few tribute shows in recent recent years. The, the Gary Moore show with um Stormfront touring, and the uh, I think you did their their more recent one, the um the the sixties show. Oh, the headstock, yeah, headstock. That's it, yeah, yeah. They're fun. Oh man, I get so intimidated on those <laughs> shows. Fun. You got to check your ego at the door when that sort of stuff happens. Yeah, just Far if, if yeah, if anyone's not sure what we're talking about, these, there's like eight or nine just fantastic guitar players. Um, yeah, and me, and me. <laughs> like, man, you, it took me like Kevin Borich and stuff like that. Man, you check your ego when Kevin Borich walks in the room. You know. <laughs> He's a, he's the ultimate badass. Phil Emanuel, Phil, you know, Phil was on those shows. Yeah, he was. Yeah, know. wow. Yeah, and uh, he's just amazing, otherworldly. Yeah, those guys, you know, yeah, which is great because I grew up on that stuff. You know, I grew up watching my mum used to go and take me to see Kevin Boric at the Banner Bay Hotel. Oh, okay, yeah, and um, yeah, back in the you know in the beer garden and and stuff like that. And he still plays amazing. You know what I mean? It, it's not like you. You look at it and then you see it from real life and you go, oh, it wasn't as good as I remembered. It's actually better. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I love I loved those nights. Yeah. Man, I've, I was at both of those and um, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You, you're, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. I love your sets at both. I went on after Brett Gar said, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, how am I going to follow that? He's ever, everyone's, everyone's played all the good notes and left me all the bad ones. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. That's funny. But it's a... It's a good hang, though. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good hang. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. It's good to just... Is there any more of that kind of stuff coming up or any other gigs you do you know, outside of the baby animals? 
I'm actually playing at the Melbourne Guitar Show next month. Oh, awesome. Cool. It's good. Yeah. I've never done it before, but um, just rang and uh, sort of, you know, if there's a, maybe a spot, they might be able to fit us in. And, and they're like, well, we've got the one that's directly before Albert Lee. You want to do that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, if I don't do it, someone else will. So, yes. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, so I'm uh, just putting a little band together and we're doing kind of some Jeff Becky, Rod Stewart era Jeff Beck songs. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, and there'll be a lot of lot of guitar being played and so I'm sort of doing, having a, an appearance there, which will be good. Great. Yeah, but there's, you know, just play the odd, odd cover gig, go out under the radar and play play covers, mm-hmm. you know, do three sets just just to keep your flying hours up, you know? Okay, yeah, just cool. Just get out and have a, have a play, you know, it's good. It's great, man. Get out and rip solos and things. I mean, there's there's a bit of baby animal stuff coming in the second half of the year, but not a real lot. Okay. So, um, you know, hey, if uh, if you've got a gig for me, hit me up on davelesley.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, any man. key, any time. Nice. Man, I would love to see you at my local just getting up there doing your three sets. That would be That would be very cool. I really enjoy it, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just you know, good fun because you get a chance to you know stretch out and you know, really have a good have a good play, relax, you know, relax into it, sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Rather have you do like an you know an hour of power and you're kind of on. Um, yeah, I don't mind don't mind doing pub corner pub gigs at all. I actually yeah, quite nice. like it. Yeah. And man, you've just started doing Skype guitar lessons as well. Is that something you want to yeah. talk about? Um, I I'd been considering it for a while. I have just had to bite the bullet, kind of, and, and do it. I was a bit nervous about doing it, but I actually really enjoyed it. Did my first one the other night, and um, I reckon I might open myself up to do to a few more because you know you're sitting there for half an hour with a guitar as well, going yeah. over concepts that uh, you're not only reinforcing for the, the person who is on the other end, but you're actually reinforcing it for yourself as well. What, what's the best way for people to keep up to date? with you and and if they're interested in lessons for example i'm just about to launch a website um it's got information in there and you can also sort of email i think it's uh lessons at davelesley.com.au or info i'm just sort of about to launch that that thing I'm, i'm working on um a solo EP as well, and hopefully be done by summer. Oh, really? Cool. I've got to, yeah, I've got to kind of bite the bullet and sing on the damn thing. Yeah. I was, one, I, I was going to get other singers. I thought, oh man, I'll, I'll have a go. You know, let's have a go at doing it. So I'm sort of in in lyric writing mode at the moment. Oh man, and, that's uh, awesome. Being being extra critical about it. Uh-huh. But then I go, you listen to the top forty and listen to some of these other people's lyrics and go, nah, it's fine, man. How hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is getting away with it. <laughs> So yeah, hopefully that's uh, I'll, I'll probably be available through the site, and um, it'll be kind of in the next few months, all being well. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. There's some there's some killer tracks. I got Mick Mick playing on them. Uh, Mick Skelton sort of done some drum tracks, and right. I'm just sort of filling in filling in the holes, painting painting the picture at my leisure, nice. which is kind of good because you get the you get the benefit of hindsight. You get you know be able to, to be able to kind of go back and replay and, and reapproach stuff but then it's like hang on how 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 much do you want to fix it sure you know occasionally yeah, yeah. i'm going to sooner or later i'm going to have to abandon it and go no that's how it sounds and that's how it how it goes you know okay so you're Otherwise, producing you, yes yeah. yeah and i'm chasing i mean i'm chasing my tail at the moment but i'm <laughs> aware of it <laughs> But it'll be good. Nice, nice, <laughs> man. We'll have to if if you're cool, man. I'd love to have you back when it comes out. We can we can talk through some of the tracks. I can't wait to hear it. I'd love to. Yes, man. I'd love to do that. Yeah, Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, it's some adventurous stuff. It's 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 good. It's going to sound great in headphones. Cool. That's all man. I can say. Yeah, yeah. Ear candy. Man, I'm all for <laughs> it. Man, I was one of the guys who loved Shaved and Dangerous. I I'm, uh, I don't mean one of the guys. I mean. <laughs> I was one of, the one, of the, that... one of the four guys that loved it. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But um, yeah, so so this sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it'll be songy, but they're they're big sounding songs. There's there's textures and there's there's a lot of depth, a lot of depth in there. Yeah, excellent. Loving it. I actually really, really enjoying the process. Actually, oh, yeah. cool. If I was, I'd be, probably enjoy it more if I wasn't so self critical. But um, it's it's a good it's it's good. 
great process yeah Mm. oh man really really glad to hear that that's that's excellent very cool well man dave thank you so much it's been it's been so fun uh talking to you and hearing the stories and finding out a bit more about your story yeah thanks matt well i really appreciate the time man yeah yeah it's good to um Sort of, it re, as I was saying, it reinforces it too. It's got, it's given me a shot in the arm too. It's like, yeah, actually, you better go and finish this damn stuff <laughs> and get get some stuff happening. You know, it's it's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, no, I really appreciate the interest, man. Thank you. Oh no, no worries. My my great pleasure, and I know for our listeners as well. As I said, we're uh, yeah, there's a bunch of people kept saying, man, can we get Dave on the show? So um, yeah, super super glad we we could get it happening. Oh, likewise. Thanks. Excellent. So, um, mate, all the best. You, you, you're hopping on an aeroplane tomorrow. Um, I think yeah, you said before to, uh, the interview. Do you want to tell the nice people what you're doing for the next few days? It sounds pretty cool. Um, well, it's, it's an early flight. That's only one drag. We're on a, yeah. on a 7.30 flight to Townsville tomorrow uh-huh. um, because we get up there the day before. We do a sound check tomorrow night and then we do the V8 supercar gig with Hootie Gurus on the Friday night which will be a whole lot of fun. And on the Friday afternoon, I'm doing a hot lap with yeah, Scott Scott McLaughlin in the Shell V8 supercar oh, thing. That's I'm, cool. I'm actually sure not well, not sure what brand it is, whether it's Holden or Ford, but it's badass, whatever it it's is. It's going to be fast and, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really good. And I'll still be buzzing. I think I go. we go over at about 4.30 and do the hot lap, and then we play at 6. So oh, I'm yeah. still going to be on, like, on a total adrenaline buzz. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting, man. That's a pack awesome. of a couple more pairs of jocks. Nice. Yeah, do that. <laughs> All right. Well, man, Dave, thanks again, man, so much. It's been it's been uh, awesome. And yes, come back when the when your EP's out for sure. Absolutely, man. Well, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Matt. Okay. Yeah, really appreciate it. All right, there you go. That was cool. That was very fun speaking to Dave Leslie. What a great guitar player with some amazing stories and just a lovely bloke. Really great to talk guitars with him. Now, his website, davelesley.com.au, is up and running. It looks fantastic. There's all sorts of great pictures and information on there. Um, you can contact Dave about Skype lessons through that site as well. So definitely worth checking out. All right. Good times. Now, uh, remember, we, the Guitar Speak Podcast, we're on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us at guitarspeakpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio and pretty much anywhere where you download podcasts these days. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we'll see you again on the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling. Catch you next time.